Hi, welcome to Birth and Stuff. I'm Karina, and today I have the excitement of my first dad guest, Brian Apfel. Um, so, Brian, welcome to Birth and Stuff. Thank you for being the first dad, well, besides my husband, <laughs> to be on the show. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I really appreciate the invite. Yay. So, yeah, I found you on TikTok, as you do, but ever since then, you've just always been on my For You page and oh, your I lives. It. I will hop on sometimes just to, you know, see what you're up to and what you're sharing. So, I it's appreciate really cool. it immensely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm sure we'll talk about it kind of during the podcast, but it uh, started with just, you know, like everybody else, just quarantine and kind of bored and decided to, like, I, I recorded her trying to say Fox just on my phone. And then that was like kind of before. I found TikTok or even created an account. And then I just kind of threw it up there as one of the first ones and it just kind of blew up and uh, it's it's been fun ever since. Okay, well you tell us about yourself, um, but your family and where you're from, all that. Sure, happy to. Um, and that actually goes into a nice conversation about uh, kind of TikTok and stuff. But so I was born and raised in New York. I worked in higher education marketing for about 15, 20 years, going on 20 years now. Um, and my wife and I met in New York. And when the pandemic hit, we were there and just kind of for fun, started a TikTok. It ended up blowing up. But I have, a, which we'll get into in a little bit, I have a two and a half year old daughter. And so as it start, started to get bigger and bigger, my wife was like, you know what? I don't know if I feel comfortable how open you are to our location, what you do for a living, stuff like that. And I said, you know what? That's a really good point. And it just so happened kind of by convenience that we were moving i i got another job and so what i started doing you'll notice in maybe my podcast or stuff i just said i moved down south and i keep it relatively vague and it's really just kind of for in today's day and age you get a little worried about you yeah. know having having a daughter um and it's not something i ever really thought about until obviously being responsible for a little little girl so yeah little about me i still work in higher education i moved down south uh somewhat recently uh i have one child definitely hoping and anxious for a second maybe uh in the near future Yay. but uh wife and i are very happy and living a great life down south right now awesome well thank you um i so as you mentioned you moved and i remember i was recently listening to one of your episodes with zach where you were talking about um the, po the post office box right and yep. getting gifts and then it's like oh well now i'm kind of like and that's a great thing to mention like we're putting out this content and like for me on my TikTok or whatever, I have few followers, so I'm not like stressing about it, you know, but if I were to blow up, that's something like I'm very um, open about where I live, you know, yeah. about where I'm located. So and that's I was as well. Consider. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what scared me? And again, I, I almost hesitate even saying this, but there are parents out there and maybe there are some people that are as open and outgoing as as you are and I was with our location and stuff. I found this article that there were like children kidnappers and stuff that actually had a code using toys that if they sent this kid this toy, it meant it was like more sought after or something like that. And it was like a code for kidnappers of like, oh, if you see a kid with this toy... <gasps> it has a higher 
interest out there or something. Now, again, is this true? Is this accurate? But especially with PO boxes blowing up and TikTok and stuff, I was like, that is creepy. And yeah. um, and exactly what you were mentioning, her first birthday, I was on TikTok, had a PO box, and people were amazing sending her sent her a beautiful dress, sent her all these stuffed animals, a lot of foxes because yeah. of uh, the video that she was known for. Um, but so I decided to kind of cut back on that pretty significantly while moving. Yeah. And it, you know, that I think is such a wise move, especially as a dad, as a parent, you know, being just cognizant of, okay, this is fun. I'm creating some amazing content and people in the digital world love it. But there are also the people in the real world to, you know, consider. Right. And exactly. we don't know what any person's intentions are. So will you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what prompted you to start that TikTok or post that video or what kind of like, how did you feel when that video blew up? How quickly did it escalate? Sure. So for those of you that don't know, I am a bearded Brian, bearded underscore Brian on TikTok and Instagram. And right when the pandemic hit, I had a video already on my phone of my daughter trying to say Fox. And again, this is fun that I could release some of my old, when I was living up in New York, the college that I worked at was the mascot was the red foxes. So we had oh. Fox toys everywhere and yeah. so she was constantly saying fox and she mispronounced it um i don't know if we're allowed to curse on here yes but, we uh, are <laughs> okay so she would uh she would say fuck instead of fox uh and it was very funny so i had that video up there it blew up like overnight i woke up and almost oh daily i had the 99 plus notifications of comments and shares and stuff and it was crazy and so I would do it like kind of once a week of giving updates of her trying to learn. And then I started to get some of these other videos that I started creating of just me playing with her. And I would get so many great comments of, you're such a great dad. You're such an inspiration. It's so nice seeing a father really getting down and crawling around on the floor, willing to put on a dress or makeup yeah. or whatever. And I said, you know what? this is the content that I want to be creating. And this is what I want to be known for. And actually, once she learned how to say Fox, in a weird way, I, it was bittersweet because it was getting me a lot of traction and it was fun. <laughs> yeah. But I was proud of her that she got it right. And I kind of released that video almost as a, okay, it's done. For those of you that have been following along, great. She did it. And if that's all you were here for, and if you decide to unfollow me or whatever, I'm okay with that, you know, because now I want to start getting into the parenting and dad daughter content. And mm -hmm. so I've been really proud of the fact that my engagement has not grown as much as it used to, but I feel like the followership and people like you are, are a little bit more into what I'm really trying to accomplish. And, and I'm very proud of that. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I actually got contacted by the Drew Barrymore show that they were like, we found one of your videos and we really want to feature it on the show. And I rolled my eyes and I kind of said, oh, let me guess, it's the Fox video. And they said, oh no, actually we saw that one. It's funny, but we love the one you teaching your daughter sign language. Before she could speak, we used ASL to try to help communicate. And that made my day that that was the content that was then getting the recognition kind of on the next level was that parenting advice and tips 
Um, and so that that's something that I'm pretty proud of. So hopefully if any of you are out there and you're looking for fun, silly, it's uh, bearded underscore Brian. And you can find me on uh, TikTok and Instagram there. Yes. And I love that. I, I heard you mention that on your show, too. And you also just listen to his show, follow him on TikTok, everything. We'll plug it at the end. But um, midway plug. I heard that too. And I was just like, oh my gosh, how amazing, right? That the reason that you, you know, blew up in a sense was that Fox video. And then for you to get that recognition on something that you were doing as a parent to help your child in communication. It's just Absolutely. like, this is like, we're used to the viral videos. We're used to seeing the funny videos on right. TV and that's what gets the attention. So for you to, or for them to reach out to you because of something different and something that will actually be inspiring to a lot of parents and people just in general in the ASL community. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love that. And I love that too, because I was starting to, I mean, when I was maybe 10 years ago, I started learning ASL myself because I had a customer who would come into my store and, um, we couldn't communicate. So I would go home and watch YouTube and like teach That's myself awesome. things so that I could communicate with him. And he would like come in and he'd write notes to me and I'd like try to sign things to him. And so That's I kind of awesome. like some of it stuck. And so when my son was born and or when he was like six months ish, I started showing him a lot of the ASL that we could communicate with. And so it's he helpful. would know like, yeah, he would know all done and just things that we now just do, Absolutely. you know, so that's that's another that's a pro tip. First pro tip of the episode. There you go. <laughs> ASL for your children. If you can, it's great for yourself and it's great for your kid. <laughs> the other thing that's great about it, which I swear by, is a lot of times their outbreaks of frustration and stuff is actually a frustration for the inability to communicate what they really want. And then sometimes when there's emotions kick in and they're starting to cry, it's even harder for them to explain. And sometimes you as a parent, you're like, what, what, please just tell me and yes. I'll, I'll give it to you. I just don't yes. know what you want. So that sign language helped us tremendously that even when she started talking, sometimes when those emotions kicked in, she would have a hard time and you would see her like flipping out and crying at like the dinner table and couldn't communicate, but then would start doing the all done. And mm -hmm. you're like, okay, okay, okay. You know, you're, you're, you're done eating. And, and she, and as soon as we acknowledged what she was trying to communicate, even if it was the ASL, it would calm her down almost immediately. So it 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 was great. That's awesome. I love it. So I want to ask you a little bit more about, you know, pre your child. Yeah. So um, how long have you and your wife been married or dating before, you know, you had the conversation or decided, let's start a family? So that's a great question. I... So the, mm -hmm. the word selfish sometimes I think has a negative connotation, but it doesn't always need to be like when I think nope. of selfish, it's doing things for yourself or doing things that you want to do. And I think my wife and I early on in our relationship were very selfish, but in a we're just enjoying our relationship. We're doing our time. We enjoy our free time. And so we actually had a conversation that hey, like this is all great and we're doing stuff for us professionally. We both went to grad school. We were just doing things for us. And we decided that it's not fair for a kid while we're still happy to be in this mindset that let's wait until we are kind of done being selfish and ready to give that time to someone else other than the two of us. And mm -hmm. so we waited longer than, you know, some other couples uh, did. Uh, we were, I guess, five years married by the time we started um, really even kind of considering it. And I was so grateful because by the time we had our child, we were 
fully ready. Like we got everything out of our systems of yeah. traveling to Europe and getting our grad school done and, and stuff. And obviously we still have our selfish times and stuff like me podcasting and making TikTok right. videos and stuff, but it, it's definitely a completely different, you, you really have to be ready to kind of give yourself up in many ways. And yes. everyone says it and it sounds corny, but once you become a parent, it changes your life completely, but you would have it no other way, you know? Exactly. And so I think it just depends on the kind of person you are and your ambitions and stuff. Right. So for me, I I've always been like I have friends that were like, I want to go travel and I want to be married for this amount of time and I want to be financially stable. And for me, I was like, I don't care about any of that stuff. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm just I'm very um, spontaneous. And, you know, I was just kind of like if it happens it happens and if it doesn't then cool we have more Mm -hmm. time to ourselves so i also wanted to talk on the fact that we as a community and parents are allowing ourselves to talk about you know and i don't think i don't i wouldn't say even that it's selfish but i I get what you're saying that we you know we're allowed to have those feelings and we're allowed to mourn our past life like especially mothers right like you are allowed to have a feeling of, you know, I'm not ready for kids right now. And I'm going to wait until the time is right. And I feel like I've taken all of this off my plate and I'm ready for the plate of parenthood. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I love that we are now, I guess, I don't know if you identify as a millennial, but I'm a millennial. I am. Okay. (laughs) Right on the cusp. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I I don't know if I'm on the cusp. I think I'm like almost to the cusp. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think the millennial generation and younger are really helping other parents to see you know we can talk about these things and you don't have to feel like you're you don't have to feel guilty you don't have to feel like you're being selfish if you don't if you're not ready for a kid or if you don't even want kids in general you know I have some friends who are just like not for me and it makes me sad because I'm like you'll be a great parent but you know that's their decision (laughs) um so a little bit more on when that turned for you. When did you and your wife say, okay, it's time? I think when, I don't know, it's it's hard to define, but I think when we were just settled and comfortable in who we really were as individuals and as a couple, like we had uh, our dog, we have a whole army of animals at home. We have three dogs and two cats. Nice. And so that was kind of our raising other we we just love animals and so once they started to get a little bit older and settled and you know we had our house and we loved our jobs and stuff then we were like okay i i feel more stable now that i'm i'm kind of ready yeah awesome so when your wife knew she was pregnant did she tell you in like a cute way or how did that go she I'm trying to, I think we found out together. So it wasn't really a surprise. Oh my gosh. We were, we were trying and it was taking a while, uh, like a long while. So we had everything up the wazoo as far as apps to track cycles. And these are the green windows that you really should be doing it and making sure that you, you fall kind of on a schedule. And for any parents that are out there that are going through that, that alone is stressful like just you know planning those activities you know regularly (laughs) oh my gosh it was it was just so stressful and then it was hard to you know really enjoy that experience so i think for me it was a little different that we were 
checking and tracking and stuff. So we were we were in it together. Everything that we every time she would do a pregnancy test or whatever, I was like right next to her because I, we were very anxious at that point. Awesome. So when she, how do you know? Do you remember how long it took? You said it was a long time. I'm on like month three and I'm over it. So. Yeah. It, <laughs> well over a year um, oh no that we were yeah trying it was uh it was it was a while yeah and that i mean okay so like i said i'm on month three and it's mentally exhausting mm -hmm. it can be physically exhausting you know yeah. and you know even if you're just like not in the mood but it's like well i'm ovulating today right exactly you gotta go right <laughs> so it's a, it takes a toll on you know both of you it does <sighs> i'm like I yeah, one advice, especially when we were talking about the selfish thing, a lot of times I tell parents that if you feel like you're sort of ready where, okay, if it happened, you'd be thrilled, but if it didn't, you'd be kind of okay. I, I always tell people to, everyone skips the stop preventing stage. They go right from not trying to trying. And so sometimes I normally recommend, like, if you think you're going to be ready with, like, in six months, then just stop preventing now. So if it yeah. happens now, you're going to be thrilled. But at least that it almost mentally, I wish I did that because then you feel more sane that then that six months where you pull the goalie, however you define that, um, <laughs> then at least you enjoy that six months that you're not really trying. So you're not planning around schedules and stuff like that. And if it works out, then even better. And if it doesn't, then you could start getting into those apps and stuff. But as you mentioned, that process can be stressful. So if you can de-stress it as much as you can, then even better. That's a great point. And that's what I did. I Good. went off my birth control, maybe July, August, I don't know months before I officially say I was trying but we right. were kind of like cool we're off of it but we know that my body needs time to like get back to normal so exactly. it's probably not going to happen and my husband's still in law school so he's like if it doesn't happen right now that's awesome because right. <laughs> he's like I still have to take the bar you know like right. so at this point we're getting closer and closer to his graduation date and I'm like okay you don't have to worry about me going into labor at this point like we're right. fine right so it's it's like a, a blessing in disguise but it also comes with, you know, the stigma I had put on myself that, you know, I have to be pregnant sooner because I want to be done having children by 35. Right. And now that I'm getting closer to that age, I'm like, why did I do that to myself? You know, and why did I put that on myself and possibly on other people who are still going strong at 35, you know? Right. So it's a lot of it's been a lot of self-reflection on my end in yeah. being and trying to conceive. So this is another, this is a very, very sensitive topic, especially for um, a man to be talking about. But as we were going through that process, we also started talking to doctors. And one of the things that I learned in this process was the woman's, the age of the eggs is way more important than the age of the woman herself. So for example, if you are... 32 and you freeze your eggs and then you decide at 37 you want to have a kid or a second kid or whatever your eggs are still 32 and they're mm -hmm. frozen and the doctor was saying like i kind of wish more people were aware of that because especially some people that are selfish and want to wait on till later in life 
some of the complications with pregnancies are the age of the eggs, not the woman. And right. you can have children much later in life. And so we actually did that. We, you know, we had our first kid and we knew how long it took. And so we were like, look, we're not getting any younger. Let's be safe. And we'll still keep trying to do it the traditional route. But then at least now, if my wife gets older and older and we want to have kids later in life and maybe we're still struggling to do so, then at least we have this kind of backup plan, which is good. And I was very glad that our doctor talked about this. And we said, why don't more you know women or couples kind of know about that? And it, right. it's just very... It's a sensitive, sensitive. You don't want to just go up to a random single woman and be like, hey, you're single and you're getting old. Freeze right. your eggs. You know, yeah. that is not a comfortable conversation to have. Yeah. Um, but it, it it was very I'm glad someone told me and and it worked out very well for my wife and I. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So will you tell me a little bit about, you know, did your wife have any significant symptoms? I'm sorry, I'm asking a lot about your wife, but no. I'm asking from your point of view because <laughs> I haven't talked to a dad yet. So. Yeah, it's cool. Um, the biggest thing, which 100% makes sense, but I wasn't really expecting it, was her fear of the pain. Like it, everyone talks about it and everyone's like, oh, it's the worst, but once you're over it, you're over it, blah, blah, blah. But she would open up and she's a very strong, independent woman. And so she doesn't often vocalize her fears just to anybody. And so when she would sit down one-on-one -on -one with me and be like, I I'm genuinely terrified of this or whatever, you you knew it was serious because she doesn't often release those uh, hesitations or fears or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's the one thing that I really remember. I've never seen my wife like scared, like genuinely scared of the future. She's, she's very, her and I are both, Hey, whatever happens, happens. And we roll with the punches and we're very easygoing. But that one in particular, knowing that this pretty extreme traumatic body experience is going to be happening. And there's like a ticking time bomb, literally getting closer and closer to it happening. That's the one thing that I remember was just her, her fear. Now going through it, now she's way more comfortable that like round two, knowing what to expect. I think it was the fear of the unknown yeah. that I remember so vividly. Yeah. And I can relate to that. I, I mean, I had trauma before even being pregnant of, you know, birth. So going into it, I was very much fearing the unknown and then if you heard my second episode where I really talked about, you know, how it went when I had my child, um, I didn't, I had an emergency section. I was under general anesthesia, you know, so I really didn't even participate in my birth experience yeah. uh, to that point. So it's still in me, right. <laughs> you know, I still have that fear of if sure. I have a V bag, if I have a vaginal birth after uh, cesarean, what is that going to be like? And it's right. so like, uh, I hate that it's still weighing on me. But that's life. So, yeah. And uh, every doctor says this and stuff that it is important to have like a birth plan and, you know, write down all of your wants and desires and stuff. But half the time, some of that stuff goes out the window by the time you're in there. Exactly. And, that, and that's okay too, like planning for the unexpected. Exactly. And actually, that's a great segue to your fifth episode where you talk about the delivery room yep. experience and you were giving dads like tips or just parents tips. That was so amazing. So I have some notes. I want to look at them really quick. Sorry. Yeah, please. Um, 
because I was listening to that one and I was like, this is the episode. I love this episode. It's, that's, I mean, that's the stuff I identify with the most is hearing, sure. you know, other yeah. people's experiences. Obviously, I have a whole podcast about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were talking about, you know, your wife was a few weeks late. Yes. And then it was you use this beautiful analogy of Christmas. Yeah. And it was like, can you can you, I don't want to even chop it. Do you do you remember what you said? I would love do you to mind sharing. It, it, okay. I I have to really put you in the mindset because it, it is important. So picture you are a five-year-old child and you know exactly what Christmas is. The magic is still in full effect. You know that. Santa's coming, bringing you everything you could imagine. And imagine Christmas morning, you wake up and your parents go, ah, not today, maybe tomorrow. And it was like, no, but it's Christmas. Yeah, but maybe it'll come tomorrow. And then you wake up the next day. It's like, no, still not here yet. Sorry. That's what it was like being late. And my wife was two weeks late. And eventually we had to um, get, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank. Induced. Induced. Thank you. And it was torture because for nine months you are being told that now even you know that the expecting date is just kind of a bullseye but you're you're kind of thinking all right a day or two maybe a day early maybe a day late you're not right. expecting 14 plus days of waiting and it was torture it was 14 days of waking up christmas morning and christmas <laughs> didn't come yeah <laughs> yeah and that was so like when i heard it i was just like oh no like i you can relate to that and Absolutely. it's so uh it's so heartbreaking because every day you're like today's the day and then it's like well then to make matters today. worse i and i have a whole nother episode about this we wanted to be surprised gender wise so right Part of the anticipation and waiting was not only waiting for our child, but also to figure out what gender it was. And so having to wait and, and having to get induced after two weeks, that was torture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I, I also love that you, I, I don't think I have it in me to have a surprise <laughs> for the gender, but I love that you did that. What was it like along the way? Did you get a lot of pressure from folks and like family saying, no, let's just know what it is. You know what I was most grateful for, honestly, was my wife that I knew I wanted to be surprised even before meeting my wife. Like it just, it, it no. felt like such a cool, fun experience. And so the fact that she fully bought in on that too, I know is rare. And and especially for her being a planner and, and wanting to organize and stuff. Yeah. You know what? One of the biggest things that helped was my wife was born and raised in Scotland and we decided that we wanted to do a Scotland Loch Ness monster themed nursery. So because of that, it was all greens and we had a beautiful, we had a student artist that I worked with drew a Nessie, like the Loch Ness monster mural on the wall. So it was already always, it was all these greens and forest creatures and stuff so very gender neutral and so the planner in her knowing that that was our theme she was more welcoming to the not knowing gender wise okay. um, that's good <laughs> but same deal I, I i'm not that big of a christmas person but i use the christmas analogy as well for that that <laughs> You know, that picture that five-year-old Christmas morning, like, you know, you're going to get these gifts, but you don't know what they are. And that anticipation is so magical and so special. 
as an adult, when do you ever really get to feel that again? And my answer to that was waiting to find out the gender of your your baby and, and waiting those nine months in that anticipation. It was such a magical experience. I, I would awesome. I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> I try Maybe. to talk as many people as I can into it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it if I have a third. We'll there see. There you go. We'll see. I'll think about it. There you go. <laughs> uh, with my first, I just so wanted a boy. I was like, I'll do a gender reveal for other people, but I'm going to know what it is. Yep. Like, And so when he was a boy, I was like, okay, so I have relief. I'll do a gender reveal and be happy about it because, there you, go. <laughs> you know, and that's another thing. Like you can be selfish about the gender you want, you know, yep. like it's always, it's always very much like, oh, we want a healthy baby. And it's like, yes, of course, everybody wants a healthy baby, but yep. If you idealize, you know, a baby boy for your first birth and, you know, having a baby boy to have a, to be the older brother for the little sister, you know, like that's how I saw it. Right. So if it wouldn't have happened that way, it's fine. I would have adopted to that. But right. when I got my boy, I was like, hell yeah. And now I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, please give me a girl. <laughs> Boys are so much work. They are. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, also, I was going to make a comment. You say you're not into Christmas, but I saw your YouTubes from around Christmas time and you were full out like Santa I was, hat. I was. I am into Christmas. I'm not like, <laughs> it's just funny that it was referenced multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do enjoy Christmas. Cool. Was there anything else in your wife's pregnancy experience that, you know, is of note to mention? Was there anything that you really had to, um, get not get used to but you know maybe you had to do things more around the house or anything like that so the thing that i was most surprised with well the one of the biggest challenges again because it took us longer to get pregnant we waited a little bit longer to tell people and my wife really struggled with like sickness, like especially at work, she would be rushing into the bathroom and throwing up and stuff. And I remember that was really tough because not only was she trying to hide a pregnancy, but now she's trying to hide being sick and people would see her eating like saltines at her desk and, you know, be like, are you really into saltines, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, just didn't fully understand. So that that sickness was something that I really remember and I I, I felt really bad. That was that was it as far as like, she didn't really blow up that much as far as like her ankles or feet or whatever. Um, but definitely the, and the unexpected, how fast it would come up. I remember she was driving home from work one day and just had to pull over on the side of the road and, Ugh. you know, just be throwing up. So that was bad. How unexpected it would come. The other thing that I remember that I loved was the cravings that women get. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if that was really a thing or not, but there are two things that my wife really doesn't like, especially prior to having a child. One is going to the grocery store. She just hates that experience. It's overwhelming for her. It's, mm -hmm. um, it, it's just a pain and all the people. So she just hates the grocery store. And then second, she doesn't hate vegetables, but she has to kind of go out of her way or while I'm making dinner or whatever, like I have to kind of remind her to add vegetables. Not, <laughs> not now, now that we have a kid, we're all great about it because we want her to be eating healthy. But when it was just the two of us, we had to make an effort to make sure the vegetables were, were a part of the dinner. And 
I remember so vividly, she was calling me coming home from work today, uh, one day and said, Hey, I'm stopping by, and like full chipper as bright as could be and said, Hey, I'm stopping by the grocery store. You need anything? I want to pick up some Brussels sprouts and some broccoli. <laughs> and I was like, who are you? Who are you? Is this my <laughs> wife? What did you do with my wife? Is like, you don't just stop at the grocery store willy nilly and chipper about it. And you right. definitely don't do it to pick up. Uh, but it's funny. It must be that your body does tell you what you need. And the baby was telling her, hey, you're not giving me enough greens. Uh, it right. was very funny. <laughs> That's funny. For me, I was, I mean, very sick in the first part too of my pregnancy. So all I could eat was fruit. And so, now my son loves fruit and I don't know if anything like that is, you know, translated with you. But for me, when I finally was able to eat, I could then eat only waffles, uh, tacos or pizza were like the only things I could actually stomach, which was weird because they're all different kinds of foods. Yeah. And now my son's favorite foods are waffles, tacos and pizza. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I never put two and two together until you just said that. <laughs> my daughter loves broccoli peas like vegetables like she That's loves awesome. eating them and i never <laughs> put two and two together with those cravings but you're a hundred percent right it, it was her telling her that that's what she wants and and those right. are some of her favorite foods now that's yep. so funny <laughs> yeah so i'm always just like i did this to him <laughs> like if i would have ate more vegetables or something but i couldn't i couldn't even do that you know yeah. i couldn't bring myself to do that it was too gross at the time but vegetables are good for you people they are. <laughs> So will you tell me a little bit more? I love that uh, episode five. So I'm going to go back to it a little bit more. Sure. Um, so one other thing that you said that I want you to share as well was the message that you got from, was it your brother cousin, or a friend, your cousin. cousin? Will you share uh, that? Absolutely. Because it's something that I never forget. And I, I do try to tell as many fathers as I can. It is a very personal thing that you got to find the right moment to, you know, kind of say it because it it can sound, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, dark for lack of a better word, um, if thought about the wrong way. But my cousin called me and said, hey, before you go kind of into labor and stuff, this was like a week before we were already past the due date and said, keep in mind that a woman has a instant connection with that baby. You know, you've been holding it for nine months. You've been caring for it and, and loving it and protecting it. And so when that baby comes out, there is a instant connection with the mother. And it is not uncommon for the father not to feel that right away. And I was like, you're going to be crazy. You know, I've seen on TV and in the movies, you know, yeah. like the clouds part and there's a shining light on your child and you think, oh my gosh, instantly my life has changed and nothing is going to be more important than this little thing. And in the reality, that doesn't happen. And and he said, if it doesn't happen, if it's not this, again, cloud parting aha moment when you see your kid for the first time, don't feel guilty about it. It is very common. And for a guy, sometimes that relationship with their child takes a little bit longer than it does with the mother. And even when he told me that, I, I kind of like brushed it off. And when I saw her for the first time, I was super excited. I was super, you know, I, again, we didn't know the gender. So super excited that it was a girl, but 
it wasn't that instant connection thing. And in fact, I tell people that instant connection that I was expecting with my child, I felt with my wife, like watching her, especially knowing how terrified she was going through this and then just how strong, how amazing, how, you know, I would give her updates of what I was seeing. I, I'm six foot five. So I was able to look down and, and see quite a bit. And mm-hmm. so even when I first saw her hair for the first time and then her head, I was giving updates and that was motivating her. You can, and, and was getting super excited and just my wife was a superhero in that moment. She She's a superhero all the time, but yeah. uh, she was incredible. And so that kind of godly experience that I was expecting, it, it was actually towards my wife. I, I was really blown away by her and the love that I felt for her after meeting my child and, and watching her give birth was was something I'll never forget. That's amazing. Yeah. When when you said it on your show, it gave me chills. And then again, right now, just oh, it's great. so beautiful. I love hearing that. And I love, you know, when people and men can share those kinds of, you know, emotions and feelings because it's so beautiful. And I wish there was more of it, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that is why I started the podcast, honestly, is, you know, I, I think a lot of guys don't share their thoughts and feelings and emotions as, as much. So we, we try to do that as much as we can on mine. And so on the podcast, um, do you see a lot of male listeners, female listeners? I know you have the YouTube, so I'm not sure if you can kind of get a sense of the demographic. Yeah, it, uh, it is definitely predominantly men, which I'm excited about. I've been trying to have it be two men talking to parents. It, It started like four men by men kind of thing. And I wanted to kind of change that because I also think like you, like mothers hearing from the dad's perspective, I think is really important. And podcasts like you, I think more guys should be listening to, uh, to get that female perspective. And so I think it is important to understand what your partner is going through, through this process. So I've been trying to purposely keep it dads as the, the two hosts, but talk on behalf of parents more. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So for me, I I, I expect that a lot of my listeners are female. Um, but every now and then I'll get a friend or someone who will message me and be like, I love your podcast. And I'm going to have my partner listen to it, my boyfriend, my husband, whatever it may be. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm like, I share a lot. But I'm at that point in life where I'm like, I'm an adult. We all know what happens. We yeah. all know what the body does. Like, I'm not ashamed to talk about any of it. Sure. You know, whereas in high school or something, we'd be like oh my god I could never say like period to a man you know like (laughs) things like that and now I'm like I don't care that's part of life fuck it (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and I've also found that like a lot of books are instructional for lack of a better word and I think sometimes people don't want instruction they just want affirmation that the way they feel is okay and normal and so you know moms that are expecting that are listening to this it's okay to be scared You'll get through it just like everybody else does, but don't feel bad or guilty or scared or that the fact that you are scared, it's, it's a very, very natural feeling. And so I think sometimes just hearing that other people are going through what you are is, is helpful. Yes. And I know that's what I was craving when I was pregnant. So that was part of what prompted me to start this was, you know, I know that I was looking for things like that. And there are, you know, there are other podcasts for 
parents um, out there. But like you said, they're very instructional and informative, which is great. And I love listening to those as well. Right. But for me, I'm like, I'm a storyteller. I like hearing stories. I like the people part of it. So that's what this is for. So another thing I wanted to um, mention was the we kind of touched on it a little bit was the birth plan and knowing how to support your partner during the labor experience. Um, So you said something amazing in your show when you were saying, you know, know the best way to support your partner. And if there's a plan, like a birth plan, know what that plan is Mm -hmm. because otherwise, like what's the point? Your partner's going to be sitting there in pain or whatever may be happening. And you're over here like, Oh, what's the birth plan. So, right. So that was amazing um, advice. And again, listeners, please just check out his whole show, but definitely episode five. Hmm. If you like this podcast, that one's going to resonate with you a lot. Yeah. I I use the analogy of sometimes I unload the dishwasher even now. And I have to ask my wife, where does the Tupperware go again or whatever? And she rolls her eyes. It's like, how long have we been living here? And clearly... You're not doing the dishes enough if you have to ask me where things go. And I use that analogy of like, that's what a lot of dads do is, you know, they just, their wives tend to be more of the planners and know where everything is and where everything goes. And just keep in mind that the last thing you want to be doing during while you're wife or partner is in labor is to be like, where do you want this? And what should I be doing? And when the doctor asks a question, you shouldn't be like, I don't know, ask my wife, you should know the answers to those things. So really take the time and effort to understand what your partner's wants and needs are, so that you can effectively communicate. Because the other thing that may happen, and this happened to us is your partner may fall asleep. And then they have questions and you don't want to wake up your partner. And I was, I'm not going to wake up my wife while she finally went to sleep with all this beeping and connections and stuff on her. And if they have questions, I need to know the answers. Right. Yep. I love that. And I had a guest before a couple episodes ago who she said the same thing happened to her where they're like, she just had her C-section and they're asking her all these questions. And she's like, he has a dad. Like, go ask him. Like, (laughs) why are you asking me? I've been a in a haze right now. Like, I am not suited to answer anything. No, and and we're used (laughs) to it. And look, whenever we go on vacation, I don't know our flight number. I don't know what hotel we're staying in. I don't know any of that stuff. It's just my wife has a whole book of everything that we need to know. And I just kind of follow along for the ride. Um, Yep. (laughs) Don't do that during pregnancy. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that during pregnancy. You sound like my husband and I sound like your wife. Like I, when we go on vacation, I make a spreadsheet and it has clickable links to where we're staying, but also PDFs because in case we don't have Wi-Fi. (laughs) Right, exactly. You know, so all of that, but the husband should know at least how to find that PDF or spreadsheet. (laughs) Right. What else, if there's anything you'd like to share for parents um, and, you know, what they can get from your podcast or following you on socials? Sure. Again, because we're talking about the labor room and and what to kind of expect, uh, one of the things that I always recommend is for me personally, the tour was probably the most helpful thing of just... The fear of the unknown and not knowing what to expect is very real. And as it gets closer and closer, that was for both my wife and I, her more so because the fear of the pain and stuff. But for me, just the 
the fear of unknowing everything, what to expect and stuff. And so going and touring the facility, and I know with COVID and stuff, sometimes that's harder to do now, unfortunately. But if you do have the opportunity to do so, do it, take your time, ask questions, take notes if you need to, but just being able to picture, okay, this is where this happens and then we're going to move over here and then we're going to go into a room like this and just being able to kind of picture what is going to be happening was was super helpful. The other thing that I wish people told me in advance was bring things. It I wasn't expecting it to be as much waiting time as it mm-hmm. was like you go in especially for us getting induced we were there for hours and hours and hours and hours with just nothing happening and we were just waiting and so bringing a deck of cards luckily i had my like laptop or whatever and we ended up just watching netflix and that helped ease the pain and discomfort because for those of you that haven't gone through this your your wife is connected to everything up the wazoo and it's hard to just get comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially her biggest pain in the labor room was actually just the weight of the baby on her spine for that long, like lying down. Cause she couldn't really lie on her side. She couldn't really get up and roll over. And she says in many ways that spine pain was more difficult than the actual labor itself because oh. it was just so long waiting, especially again, being induced, just lying there with that with yeah. that pain on her spine was was pretty challenging. Yeah, definitely. I remember when my best friend had her baby a little bit before me. And so one of the things she told me because she was going in to be induced too was we just watched The Office like yeah. for 12 hours, you know, like we were just watching, you know, TV or playing games, had her switch, you know, whatever it was. Yep. Um and I was like, "Okay, but by the time, you know, I can't, my son came a couple weeks early, so I didn't even have time to prep, you know, a, oh, man. a fun bag. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have time. And uh, luckily I didn't need it. But, right. you know, that is one thing to consider. It's like prep your go bag and then prep a fun bag, you know, Absolutely. prep a, a bag to keep you busy while you're there. Yep. Great advice. <laughs> Okay, so thank you, Brian, so much for being a guest on the it was show. An honor. I appreciate it. I love talking to you, and I hope maybe we can do it again sometime soon. I would love that. Will you please tell everyone where they can find you and where to follow? Absolutely. So I started the Dynasty of Dads podcast, and I do have to tell you a funny story about that. So I started off on TikTok, and as I started to find these other dads that were kind of inspirational, I wanted to start doing like a call out. And so on TikTok, I started this, what I started calling the dad dynasty. And I was like, I'm going to make this video where I'm going to shout out, hey, these are my other favorite dads that you should follow on TikTok. And I started a series just calling out other great dads on there. That's actually how I met Zach, my co-host. I called him out on one of my... And so I made this video. I called it the dad dynasty. I created this hashtag. I was really excited. This was even prior to podcast up. And I created the hashtag and I went to go hit send. And I noticed that the hashtag went all lowercase. It looks like daddy nasty. D-A-D-D-Y, N-A-S-T-Y, is Dad Dynasty. And so it was supposed to be like a Duck Dynasty thing again with the beard and stuff. I thought it was a funny play on words. And I about to hit send. I was like, oh, I don't want to be known as Daddy Nasty. Daddy Nasty. So I had to like take it down. I had to re-record it. 
uh, and I changed it to the Dynasty of Dads. Um, and then that hashtag picked up on TikTok, um, and so that's what eventually led to the name of the podcast. So, yes, it's at bearded underscore Brian on TikTok and Instagram, and then the Dynasty of Dads podcast, and you can find it anywhere you find your podcasts. Yes. And I'm cracking up as you tell that because I heard you say it on your show and I was just cracking up too because oh I was like, gosh. but Daddy Nasty is so funny. It is very funny. <laughs> and I there's part of me that wanted to keep it, but... That's the After Hours podcast. <laughs> exactly. I should... That's a good idea. Like maybe with like a Patreon, if I start blowing up, right. then we'll have one episode that's the Dynasty of Dads. And then the Patreon will be Daddy Nasty. Daddy Nasty. I love it. Oh I'm in. I will be a member. Perfect. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Birth and Stuff. You can chat with me on Instagram at Birth and Stuff Pod, or you can submit your story through birthandstuff.com. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, rate it, tell your friends, all of that. Follow me. Um, I love new friends. I love meeting new people. So please, especially in this pandemic world that we're in, I would love more friends. Let's chat. Thanks for listening. Bye.